be funny tomorrow? If I was in the same city as you them, don't like and the I could song? punch Will them. Will it be funny tomorrow? Okay, you're in a mood. Looks good. Okay, computer. Yep. On the 20th anniversary, let's yeah. look back. Oh, okay. You already you anticipated my my opening. I'm trying bit. to make fun of it. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, <laughs> I was just gonna say, the year was 1997. <laughs> Fuck it. We're talking about OK Computer. <laughs> this is Hidden Jukebox, the show where we start with a great 90s album and see where it takes us. I'm Matthew Amster Burton. I'm Laura Lowe. Yep, that was really it. <laughs> like if you if you're not familiar with this record. I don't think you're listening to this show. That's not fair. Uh, I think it's fair. Okay. I'm not, I'm not saying you have to like it. Okay. Just you you definitely are familiar with it. Let's fight about that. Okay, because, great. Let's because start. Because I, I think that there's still a lot of people that maybe are in the older range of Gen X that were like, uh-huh. I never got into Radiohead. Okay, that's so fair. So I think the younger gene range of Gen X, you couldn't really avoid it. But I've met older people like in their late 40s that are like not super familiar, never went to a Radiohead show. Okay, well, I've never been to a Radiohead show. Okay. Uh, I'm in my 40s. Uh, and uh, <laughs> this is this is the one of only two Radiohead albums that I listen to regularly. So I'm not a super fan. I'm a super fan. Okay. Right. I, I saw them play in, um, I think it's called Alpine Valley. It's like a ski resort in Michigan or Wisconsin. You drive to it for hours and oh, like, it's like outside. A, the gorge type of thing. Yeah, I don't know. Red I, rocks. I can't even remember where it is, but, but it was amazing. And I saw them at the Greek Theater two nights in a row in LA before that, I think. And then I saw them in... Chicago, where there was like thousands of us sitting on the sidewalk across the street from them playing for free, mm-hmm. and the police let us didn't nice make us move along because the show was sold out. And then I saw them in because, Seattle because there were a lot of white people in the audience. <laughs> yes, and then I saw them. I feel like there's another show, but yes, so yes, I've seen them a few times. I'm kind of a super fan. So when when did you first become uh, familiar with Radiohead, and when did you first become familiar with OK Computer? So I was watching a lot of MTV mm-hmm. in 1997 and before that, and I was in college, but I was at that point um, going to UCLA, maybe. Mm-hmm. Santa Monica College. But um, so I watched the Karma Police video. Oh, sure. And I thought, um, okay, this is different. And kind of there was like this peer pressure to own the album. Yeah, definitely. And so I went and bought it. But in between, I had listened to like a friend's copy and heard maybe two songs on the radio and decided. You know what? Like out of all the albums, I didn't buy that many albums and I was like, "You know what? I I'm going to go back to the warehouse and return this." <laughs> and so I returned it and um 
I didn't return that many albums. Uh-huh. So like I can't I, believe they let you return it. Like <laughs> I was whenever I wanted to dump an album that I wasn't happy with, I would have to like sell it back for four dollars. Yeah, no, I still it was in the packaging. Okay. And I had the receipt. Okay. And I ha- I was like on the fence. I was like, I don't know. This is like kind of the lyrics are really like pretentious and it's kind of mocking all the other music that I like. Yeah, sure. And I feel like that's kind of disrespectful. And um, and then I'd read some interviews about it and they were like talking about like the Beatles and all of this stuff. And I'm just like, who do they think they are? Yeah, I think reading an interview with the band is more likely to ruin an album for you than make you appreciate it more. I was just like, whatever. And, um, you know, I was kind of like into Blur and maybe Oasis a tiny bit and... I was just, they were trying so hard to not be that in mm-hmm. a way. And um, and so I was just like, no. And then I saw them live um, when Kid A came out. And it was two nights in a row. And um, Where was this? In Chicago? This was in LA, in LA. At the Greek Theater. Oh, yeah. At, the, at Griffith Park. And it was outside. And a lot of my Radiohead memories are outside shows. And um, it's just so amazing. And um, it kind of felt like seeing like like an opera or something. Uh Like it was so dramatic. And um, the use of like space in the music was fantastic. And then I went back and bought get computer mm-hmm. again um do you uh i mean i i've seen the radiohead documentary so that's that's probably most of the extent to which i'm familiar with their live show um what like what made it work for you like i i feel like big big arena shows like that are really i mean i guess the greek is not an arena but big shows like that are real hit and miss and like the band needs to be doing something special to make it work uh, they were kind of like sarcastic with each other and yeah. kind of making fun of the audience and making fun of like pop stardom and making fun of, um, you know, just kind of loose and silly. And so then I was like, oh, maybe they're not pretentious. Uh-huh. This or- feels sort of like you're describing the U2 Zuropa tour. No! <laughs> Sorry. Or pop? One of those. No, no. No U2 comparisons. Okay. Maybe later. Yeah. So let's listen to a song. Okay, absolutely. Um, and then, and then, uh, yeah, we need some music. Then I'll talk about some of my memories. Uh, where do you want to start? Um, Should we start at the top? Because uh, I have two two proposals. Either we start at the top with Airbag, or we start with Lucky, because that was recorded well before the rest of the of the album. Those are random places to start, but uh-huh. you're the boss. Do it. I'm not the boss. Well, you got the the That's controller. That's true. I, I do have my hand yes. on the remote. Yes, exactly. <laughs> okay. Uh, then airbag it is.
All right. When uh, when we were talking about this album before uh, before we started taping, uh, you said you thought this song was especially pretentious. I think I might have. <laughs> <laughs> so go. Well, Why? Okay, so this album is trying so, so, so hard mm-hmm. to break new ground. Yeah. We're going to break new ground. We're going to be the best album that's ever come out ever, and it's just... I want to know, like, what what are some other instances where a band thought they were making the best album ever, and it didn't really turn out that way? I mean, like every like, album ever. Yeah, that's that's what I'm wondering. Like, does everyone think they're making the best album? I think, oh yeah. I think some. I think some bands are more modest than that. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking like a uh, Chinese Democracy. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, no, I, it's so hard because they have such a like special place in my heart because I've. Everywhere I've lived, I've seen them in the mm-hmm. place, different places I've lived. And so it's kind of this through line at this point. So it's hard for me to go back and like now when I hear the song, I think of like those moments when they start playing those notes live yeah. and the reaction that the audience has and, um, you know, the people, all the people that start like getting high (laughs) or whatever, like whatever the things are that happen in that moment. Um, And, and so it's like a very like physical sensation now when I hear certain songs from this album. Um, And, and it's less about the lyrics. Yeah. At this point. Oh, for sure. So as you know, I'm always less about the lyrics. Yes. Um, So no, it's a great song and it kind of reminds me of the stuff from before, like the bends. Mm hmm. Um, definitely more ballady and the bass, the bass line, the bass lines on this album, they come in and out. They're not yep. like continuous doo, 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 doo. and then it stops and then it comes back in and it's super annoying to me compared to like Kid A where oh. it's more like the bass is like kind of throughout and like kind of with the drums. This is more, um... Again, trying really hard. It's, it's really calculated, for yes. sure. Yeah. It's very... Uh, I mean, this this album is unabashedly produced. Mm-hmm. Um, I I love the little, like, uh, flickering in and out guitar sounds, like they're, like, taking a plug and yeah. plugging it in and out uh, during the intro to that song. I, I think um, when you when you mention, like, hearing the first notes of this live, I kind of feel like hearing, hearing a band play the first song on any record live is always kind of a special experience. Um, and I was noticing this, uh, I went to see Spoon uh, a couple weeks ago, and they played the first track of almost all of their many albums, and every time I was like, ooh, this album's starting, this is great. <laughs> That's, um, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is uh, probably my second favorite song on the album. Uh, I think it's just like an epic introduction. Um, it is. It's very epic, and it's like um, in that tradition of uh, like Led Zeppelin or, yes. or something. It's it's it, it is. It's like we're laying out this, um, or like you know, like a symphony where you have the overture. Yeah, it's definitely doing that. Um, I also did not. This album did not click for me right away. I remember um, I was working as a music journalist at the time this came out, and the hype before it came out was like the biggest for any album I ever remember. 
uh, and they were uh, everyone was talking about how um, if you got a promo copy, it would be sent to you in a Walkman that was glued shut. That's so obnoxious. Which is super obnoxious. <laughs> At the time, I thought it was so cool. Um, <laughs> I did not get one. Um, I got the I got the uh, the CD after after it came out. And I was like, oh, this is okay. I don't really see what the fuss was about. And I th- this is like one of two albums that I think like I just chucked it aside of like I don't get this. This is not going to be my thing. And then I went back to it. I was like, oh yeah. The other one being the Wrens, the Meadowlands. Huh. I I wonder what that is. Yeah, I mean, and of course, like once that happens to you, I think like an album sticks with you forever. Mm-hmm. If it if it can come around and uh, you know say hi, remember me. Yeah, and and I'd like to say that it's not the use of like the electronics that bugged me mm-hmm. because now I love all that. Um, but maybe it was too because it was so intentional in using kind of inorganic sounds Mm -hmm. that that I mistook that instead of as like innovative I mistook it for um pretension and it can be both yeah it's it it is for sure both yeah Uh, I remember one thing that bugged me uh when I first listened to this was how how many little riffs in there reminded me seemed to be clearly lifted from other songs oh yes um which which is totally fine but at at, at the time I was like oh why this is just making me think of uh well actually most of them I think are in uh paranoid android yeah so um do you want to do that next sure I'm just while you're doing that, I'm gonna make the plug for everyone to just skip this and listen to Kid A instead. <laughs> so I would say that is from Scentless Apprentice. I love everything that's going on there. So that, that's a lot. That part is so hard to explain what it feels like live of that transition from the kind of like jazzy, like swingy yep. part to the like psychedelic freak out part. Like that, that moment is so um, like everyone just gets kind of like swept up in it in such a way that like this recording does not capture yeah like and i think live it seems like sometimes they're playing still to like a click track or or something that keeps them but there is like this sense that it like slows down and speeds up Mm -hmm. there whether it's real or like imagined um that's really powerful live and then i think it would have to that's a big tempo change there yeah and and the, the they're playing with different time signatures and they were listening to a lot of jazz at the time um they'd been on tour for years and they took this break to Jane Seymour's castle to record the album and they said it was haunted and they couldn't sleep and um 
Yeah, there's nothing pretentious about this at all. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go to Jane Seymour's castle uh-huh. while she's filming Dr. Quinn, Medicine Woman. Um, but but the... You know, this is one of those things where I have... I'm such a fan at this point where I have like bootleg live albums that no uh-huh. one has and just, you know, just like embarrassing things where like yep. I was at... I can't remember where what the venue was. There must be another show in Chicago that I saw because I have this recording from it that I like saw the guy illegally taping. Like it was <laughs> in you, his hat. And you like hit him up for and the And I was like, the here's, here's my emails, my phone number. And like, you know, I'll send you money. Like, yeah, I like. That's so sweet. I think he knew he was doing that. He had cards and stuff. Okay, like, sure. he, he knew what he was doing. It was sweet, but it, he was also like a business person. Um, oh, did he charge you for it? <laughs> Yeah, I think I gave him cash. Okay, cool. yeah, there was like there was definitely like it was definitely like totally sketchy, and he had like fancy labels. I should I should take a picture of it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like all of my friends, like right before that, I'd been hanging out with a bunch of friends that were super into like fish, uh-huh. and had like you know under their be- dorm beds like you know. Cassettes and cassettes and cassettes of, of like, it was so embarrassing. I, I have a fish album that I want to do for this show. No, can we do it, please? You, you can bring in a special guest for that. Um, <laughs> and you and you won't be here. I won't be here, yeah. Um, so, and I had never, like, understood that kind of level of, well, the live experience is so different. So you have to, like, get these bootlegs so that you can, like, get transported back to that. But I think that's part of what's so frustrating for me with OK Computer is that, it's not recorded live. Like I would have right. wanted it recorded like just, you know, like Led Zeppelin. Um, yeah. So I guess uh, I not not having been to a Radiohead show, I mean, maybe in a better position to appreciate this album. Yes. Okay. That's interesting. Um, I have a funny story about this song that I just remembered. Um, uh, my brother's band, one of, one of my brother's many bands, uh, and we'll certainly get him on the show at some point, um, uh, covered this song mm. and did a really good cover uh, like super competent straight straightforward cover of it and i had gone to see his show with my parents and afterwards my dad my dad was like that's an amazing song like their songwriting is getting so good that's <laughs> like, adorable uh, well, i have to tell you something <laughs> <laughs> that's adorable uh, <laughs> yeah no it is it is good songwriting yeah um which one's next um, let's see. So actually, can we go to Karma Police next? Because that's yes. the other one where I like hear something lifted directly from another well-known song. Sexy Sadie. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> of course.
Listening back to this now, okay. First of all, um, like uh, "Sexy Sadie" is one of my probably top three Beatles songs. Um, it's so and, good. Uh, and so, like when I first heard it, I was like, "Come on, guys!" Um, but it's fine. Uh, listening back to this it's now, it's a sample, not a steal. Oh yeah, sure. No, it's it's uh, it's an homage. Yes. Um, listening back to this, I, I want to talk about the the Lana Del Rey thing a little bit. Also. Okay. Um, listening back to this now, I am struck by how. It uh, it was billed as and felt so innovative at the time, but like the way they're using like the loud, quiet, loud thing um, had become so conventional by that point, and like sounds to me like oh you know this this fits very solidly in the Pixies influenced '90s band category in a way that I totally enjoy. So I'm thinking about all the times that I've seen this live where. The setup, the setup was like the full band, mm-hmm. and then um, a dancer. No, <laughs> and and then uh, a hype man, and then there was a piano turned to the side in the center of stage with a spotlight, and everything else is black. And then in the piano is a um, a camera that's on his eye, and so on the screen is like a close up of his eye, like that's like fish eyed, mm-hmm. and. Um, and then, and he like plays with that. So while he's while he's playing, so and at certain moments he turns, kind of looks over his like left shoulder at the audience in like these really fantastically disturbing ways. And the theatrics of the like fisheye lens and the lighting of it and the performance of it um, gives it like this cabaret quality. And the piano gives it like an old timiness. Um, and those are the pieces that like, you can't like, it's such, um, it's just playing with the idea of like performance Mm -hmm. and, you know, we're going to do this a hundred thousand times all over the world. And it's almost like going into it, knowing that you're going to be famous. Like he reached out to Michael Stipe and like was trying to get oh, tips on huh. how to be famous, and that might not be the first person I would reach out to for tips on that. No, and Michael Stipe was like had had a lot of like young musicians doing that, and it was really overwhelming for him. And he got to the point where he's just like was giving very basic information. Mm-hmm. He stopped like kind of mentoring because it was just too overwhelming. Um, but you know, there first was... order a giant David Byrne suit. <laughs> um. But but the the idea that there's this like of celebrity and like this fisheye on you mm-hmm. and and you know playing with the themes of like technology and paranoia and um, all of the lyrics are like kind of predictive of a future that mm-hmm. we're in now yeah and um, I think part of me at the beginning didn't want to accept that that was going to be the future. Like that's part of I think why I returned the album. I was like I was like oh. I don't want this to be I'm disturbed by this video for Karma Police. Oh, it's very very it's scary. Very we'll scary. We'll link to it. And um you know, I was getting nightmares from it practically and so I couldn't listen to the album alone mm-hmm. when it was dark cuz it would scare me. And the only other album that ever did that to me was like 
the Vincent Price part of Thriller when I was little. Like that's the only Absolutely. one that I couldn't listen to that without like, you know, my, my parents around or something. Um, and, you know, and I was an adult, but I was scared. And then, but then seeing it live takes the scariness away because he's doing this whole camp thing. There's just a lot of camp life that you, Interesting. Ca- that you can't imagine because, and that kind of like takes away the pretentiousness of it because it's like, oh, he's in on the joke. Yeah. Um, and he's making fun of all of this like worship that we all have for the band and like kind of mocking us. Whenever I hear about like uh, a band doing uh, something, something outrageous, innovative with their with their stage show, I always wonder like what are all the things that they tried that didn't work? Because mm. it sounds so exhausting to me just to come up with one bit that works like thinking about the amount of bits that they had to discard that weren't quite right. That's a good if you're, point. If you're yes. a Radiohead yes. or, or a yes. U2 or, or But they'd been a, a on guar. tour for like four years I continuously know. before that and tested some of this material out. Okay. For, that's, that's smart. For Alanis Morissette. And the quote in the Rolling Stone article um, is that people were sitting there eating their chicken dinners like like depressed young women and they were trying to get them to choke on their chicken dinners while they were playing their their unapproachable music uh-huh. on this tour um so it was a weird it was a weird match was that was that before this record or was that uh, around the time i can't remember i think it was when they were like yeah i think it was it was this album okay weird um what's next um how about climbing up the walls okay So that, I would not say this is one of my favorite songs on the record, but I think it's the one that, to me, most captures, like, the overall feeling of the the OK computer experience. Um, you know, it's very claustrophobic, and there's there's a lot of, like, things shimmering in the air, and the vocals are a little bit distorted, um, and that crazy uh, Tom sound that uh, the drum is going through some sort of... Uh, fucked up uh device yeah um like it's uh this one like i I don't even know what the lyrics to the song are um it's uh it's just about like you know putting you in this like claustrophobic dystopian moment and i think also uh sort of signposts where they're going to go on their next couple of records more so than anything else on this record Mm, i haven't listened to that song till you know a week ago okay and I don't think that I've ever seen them do it live. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it's like completely forgotten. Interesting. Because um, of my view on things here. <laughs> it's so different. Um, 
Yeah, so it's like I have no memory of it. To me, listening to that, all I can think of is that song that they did for like the Baz Luhrmann, Romeo and Juliet soundtrack. Okay. Like that's the first thing that yeah. I thought of is like, oh yeah, it reminds me of that song. Um, yeah, no, I have no like emotional connection to that song. Okay. Um, no surprises? Yeah. And I think I wanted the end of this oh, one. That is my favorite Radiohead song by a huge margin. Uh, it like, has all of these things. So it has the the super creepy lyrics, yep. and then like the weird like Disney fairy tale ending, uh-huh. and it's like mocking that. And then again, live. My re- reference point is um, how much the song builds and builds and builds and mm-hmm. builds, and and like when he's kind of like wailing at the end there. There's such like a desperation and and uh like this like no surprises and then like that other that other chorus part get me out of here yeah which is completely like ripped off from some 70s thing i can't i I couldn't like remember what it is i'm sure someone listening is like oh yeah that was this um but yeah like the the lows and the highs are just so extreme um and they're just compressed yeah you know on the the recording um, but I yeah, love such a great those album. backing vocals at the end. Yes, uh, just it reminds me of like Pink Floyd would do this, something yeah. like that. Like there's like this this um, Roger Waters aspect of it of like that the chorus. Um, and oh wait, so now I'm trying to remember. This was this was a Nigel Godrich mm-hmm. produced, right? Mm-hmm. So so um, the the uh, the bends was produced by one of Pink Floyd's best producers, right? John Lackey. I think, I think so. I think that's right. Okay. Um, so so there's a semi connection there. Yes. Um, yeah, this is just a perfect pop song to me. Uh, it's uh, it's weird. It's smart. the The hook is terrific. Um, there's nothing about this song I don't like. Yeah, it's amazing. Um... Uh, I think I've definitely talked to some people who uh, this song really bugs them because because of kind of the uh, like droney xylophone ishness of the of the hook well tom york's voice is terrible and so it's like people have to like <laughs> like like if people if people are gonna think about like tom york as a vocalist and focus on that they're never gonna get into radiohead so i think yeah. for some some people want like a good singer they're not gonna like a lot of the bands that i like if they want a good singer like, yeah i can pavement, see that not a good singer right sure like a lot of the bands i listen to 
not good singing. So it's 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 the whole rest of it that you have to like get into like the use of unique instruments in a rock song yeah. or the use of like referencing jazz and all the bands that came before them that they loved and like being really like I'm going to wear this on my sleeve it's sort of like the punk rock kids that are like playing their punk rock show and they've got like the patches on them of all the other bands that yeah. they love and you could hear like all the other bands that they love yes. in their music it's like they're just like yes like yes we're going to sound like the Beatles yes mm-hmm. we're going to sound like Thelonious Monk yes we're going to sound like whatever so uh, doing doing this show and and uh, you know listening back to this record like has has made me understand my tasted music a lot better already because I think I have a really high tolerance for I have a high tolerance for bad singing and I have a high tolerance for um, experimentalism in the sense of using interesting and unusual and innovative sounds. I have a very low tolerance for uh, experimentalism in terms of playing with pop song structure. Like, I really, you know, I want you to do anything you want as long as it could have gone onto Revolver. Wow. <laughs> and that's and that's why this Maybe album... Maybe you need to, like, stretch that out a little. Well, I would like to try. Let's stretch that I out. I mean, I'm, I'm working yeah, on it. Yeah, um, How about Exit Music? Okay. I'm going to play the beginning and then jump to the end. song Ah. that was cruel It's like so Beatles. Yeah, but I love um, how clearly they made a, a calculated decision. Like we're going to ramp up the energy from the beginning, from the very beginning to like four minutes into the song, which is really hard to do. Like it keeps building and building steadily over that time. Yeah, and and not just the energy, but like the denseness of the sure, music and sure. the volume and. Like and again, every, like everything's kind of, getting gradually turned up. Right. And like, it's hard for me. You called this pop music. It's really hard for me to, to hear that because what I hear is jazz. Really? And I hear like the pop song structure, mm-hmm. but the the music and the way the instruments are playing with each other and the way that the building part aspect mm-hmm. of it, how it builds to me, that's like a jazz thing. 
Yeah. So I don't know. Like. No, I, I see. I think it's both. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, one thing I noticed like listening on headphones that, uh, um, that I hadn't really noticed before is how, how they produced the, um, uh, the consonants at the, at the, at the beginning, um, wake, <laughs> there's, there's like a, a super tight, crisp click from your sleep. Right. But so, so, and when you see it live, maybe he'll be like looking in one direction and then he'll like get to that sound and uh-huh. he'll like look at you, <laughs> you know, like just super make fun of, there's a lot of like that playfulness. Um, and then as I've seen them over the years, the de-emphasis on him and the emphasis on other people in the mm-hmm. band has happened where maybe they've had more control over like the lighting design or the stage or, or what happens, but it's a lot more about like uh, Johnny Greenwood yeah, than before. Where it's a, it feels like it's more about all of them and not just like Tom York and Radiohead. Yeah, that's and that's good. I mean, like they're justifiably considered one of the tightest rhythm sections in rock. Um, you know, it's 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 one of these you know they make it they make it look easy type of things. I think um, everyone here is playing at an insanely high level, which makes me jealous. <laughs> um, do you have an opinion on the on the Lana Del Rey thing? No. <laughs> Okay. Um, I like, I think I heard about it like th- three weeks after everyone else. So the, the thing in case, in case you missed it was that um, uh, I don't think they actually sued Lana Del Rey. I think they just like sent a lawyer letter mm-hmm. saying, um, you know, we, we happen to notice your song Get Free sounds pretty much the same as our song Creep, which <laughs> we also had to like pay some of our royalties to the Hollies because we lifted some stuff from them for that song. So I listened to all three songs back to back. Nice. They're all so good. <laughs> like whatever, wherever that formula came from, it works. Like I hope more people steal that. And the context of them having a problem with it it's probably not them. It's probably more their lawyers yeah, or their like sure. infrastructure. Who knows who gets to make those decisions? Yeah. But it's like how many different aspects of what we're listening to right now were totally just stolen. Yeah, I mean, like their music, all of them, and that's fine. Right. Um. Want to want to listen to? Do I have one more? Two more? Um, Maybe just one more. Uh. Yeah. I think that's right. Uh, no, two more. Lucky and Let Down. Dead air. I'm going to edit it out. <laughs> this is the song where I go to the bathroom during the show. <laughs> Come on, you all have that. Every, oh, yeah. Everybody has that, like, okay, this song. I'm going to, like, I'm going to go buy a t-shirt. Yeah. I hate the song. It's like they listen to way too much Joshua Tree. Can you listen to too much Joshua Tree? Yes. Okay. Um, yeah, there's there's not much in the way of dynamics here. Dun, 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 dun. Like what? That is so weak. Um, yeah, this. I think 
People um, love it. People love it. Like live. Yeah, everyone's I can see like, that. Everyone's like, yeah. And I'm like, you're the Radiohead fan I don't like. <laughs> um, I think The Tourist is my least favorite song on this record, but kind of for the same reasons. Like it seems to like just go around and around Ugh. and never go anywhere. I'm sorry if you're listening to this out there and that's your favorite song. And I was just rude about it, but no. It's, it's okay. I mean, this is this is a, a fight about it kind of album, I think. Like mm. I... I sort of hesitated to even do it because um, of, of all the albums that I really love, I feel like this is the one that's easiest to be a dick about. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so I'm trying oh, to write it in. Oh, and I ran a poll. I ran a poll oh, okay. on yeah, Twitter yeah. Um, asking people, Kid A or OK Computer? Because I really wanted to like grandfather, that's not the right word, uh, no, I, Kid I, A into being mm-hmm. a... a because it was before 9-11, uh, 1990s album. Is, okay, would it be grandfathering <laughs> in, or would, would would we have to grandfather in something before the yes, 90s? Yes, exactly. No, that's why it's not grandfathering. Okay, so, so but, you want to grandchild it in. Yes. Um, and, yeah, it was pretty much unanimous that OK Computer is the better album, but I, I 100% disagree. Kid mm-hmm. A, for me, was like... So the songs, the way they connect from one to the next Mm -hmm. is so complete. And I don't get that feeling with this album. Like I can't listen to it straight through and it doesn't have that like wholeness that I want from an album. Oh, I disagree. (laughs) I know a lot of people disagree. (laughs) Um, But I mean, I I don't, if if someone, if someone loves Kid A and it's their favorite, like that doesn't seem weird to me at all. It's just, uh, this is, this is the one for me. But the, a complete album, the last song should be as strong as the first song. Um, yeah, but it often isn't, even even if I love the album. So what's, what are we listening to last? Um, okay, finally, we are listening to Lucky. The second to last song. This is my favorite song in the album. Uh-huh. And and for some reason I thought it was on a different album. Um, <laughs> I've forgotten I, I'm all confused. Well, well they, they recorded it around the time they recorded the bends, I think. Or maybe maybe a year before they recorded the rest of OK Computer. I the song is so good and the bass part isn't yeah. disjointed and it's playing all the way through. And the drums that like the drums oh yeah. No, this song is 
perfect. Um, yeah, I love I love the line. It's going to be a glorious day. Yes. Um, could could the album end here and just lop off the last song? Would that work? Because I feel like this is sort of an echo of Airbag. The the yes. chorus is very similar. Yes. Yes. Um, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna try <laughs> I'm gonna try deleting the tourist from iTunes and see what happens. <laughs> <No>! <laughs> um, all right, uh, anything else about OK Computer before we wrap this up and go home? I'm already home. Um, go see Radiohead live. Mm-hmm. Go um, experience live music. That's how musicians make their money. Uh huh. Go to a local venue. Um, don't don't they get like a thousand dollars every time I stream one of their songs on Spotify? Go, go to go to support DIY venues. Yep. Go um, support your friends that are in bands, and even if you hate their songs, yeah, this like, is important. Just go, and um, our city is the arts community is in trouble, and yeah, please go support everyone. Yeah, and your city probably. The same thing applies. Yes. Uh, you can find us online at hiddenjukebox.com where we'll post links to um, the Karma Police video and some other stuff that we mentioned on the show. Um, and uh, please leave us a review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever you get the show. We would really appreciate that. Uh, and until next time, I'm Matthew Amster Burton. And I'm Laura Lowe. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay.